Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Where did this ferocious determination out there today come from? The media. Every one of them brought us up. This is Paper Talk. The Irish Examiner GAA Podcast. Hello there and welcome to Paper Talk, the Irish Examiner GAA Podcast. Well, the mercury may be falling, but county championship nationwide are coming to the boil with semi-finals and finals dominating the weekend schedule in both hurling and football. Our reporters were out in force this weekend and over the next half hour or so, we will hear their thoughts and those of various managers. Our first port of call is Porky Cueve in Cork, where Dennis Hurley watched the County Senior Football Championship semi-final action. Dennis, you were in action for the first game, Castlehaven v Duhallow, a 15-point apiece draw. An unlikely result with about 10 minutes remaining? An unlikely result with about, let's say, six minutes of normal time remaining. It it looked to be done and dusted. Uh, Duhallow were up 15-8 and Castlehaven were down to 14 men. And somehow um, Castlehaven got seven points in a row. They came back without needing or, or managing to get a goal to, to deal with points. And uh, it, it really was kind of strange at the end. It was as if they had won and Duhallow had lost when really it's just back to, to square one for next week. But you'd wonder, will it have uh, a psychological effect on the, the mindsets ahead of the, the replay now? Uh, the, the classic question in these cases, was it a case of brilliance by Castlehaven or Duhallow dropping? Well, we, we asked um, Padre Curran, the Duhallow manager, that afterwards and he said that there is a natural tendency, I suppose, to, to sit back and that brings the team on you a bit more. Castlehaven definitely did throw a bit more caution to the wind because they they just warned themselves for the opening 50 minutes of the game. They, weren't, they had Brian and Michael Hurley inside and they were isolated. They weren't getting enough ball. Um, I think they only scored about three points between them, whereas Mark Collins, I think, had nine out of the, the 15. Um, it's, there, there, there's definitely plenty of room for improvement with them. Their manager, Liam Collins, uh, was asked what areas uh, they could improve on, and he, he just straight up said all of them. So they, they definitely have um, room for improvement, but at the same time, Duhello brought on Anthony O'Connor um, for uh, I think just before half time, and he he's a, a very valuable attacker for them, and he'd missed all of the year. It was his first championship football for them this year, so he will be a big addition if he is um, available from the start next week. Do, do you think that there was a bit of a hangover for the Haven after beating Nemo in in the quarterfinal? I suppose you could say that looking at it, but you know, it's it, it's hard to know. Like they, they they'll say themselves that. I suppose that they trained well for the two weeks and that they had uh, that they had resolved to put it behind them. But maybe it is just a natural tendency to think we've taken out the champions. Mm-hmm. You know, no one, no one can stop us. But they they have certainly had the the shock needed. Um, it's their second draw of the championship. They drew with CIT um, about six weeks ago, and they won the replay of that before. Before beating Nemo, so uh, they've been living on their wits a bit, but they're still standing. 
That was the first game of a double header yesterday in Porky Cueve. Would you say it was a good advertisement for Cork football? Um, I don't think either game was really. Um, uh, across the, the two games, you had, uh, I think, 40, 57 points, I think, and no goals. Uh, and very few goal chances even. Castlehaven had one chance in the first half and it would have been a brilliant goal if it had gone in a ball over the top and Roland Welton raced onto it and he tried to cushion a side-footed soccer effort over Patrick Doyle, the goalkeeper, and it just came back off the crossbar. But beyond that, chances were very rare in either of the two games. Brian Hurley had one chance, half chance blocked down when Castlehaven were trying to reel in the lead and um, other than that, they, they were tilling the ground. It, it was kind of... Um, it, it was, I suppose the teams would say it was winning football, you know, mm. doing what they can to get the win rather than it being open, flowing football. And what sort of crowd was there as a matter of interest? I'm not sure that there wasn't one announced. Um, both stands were open, but the north stand, the old uncovered stand, was, was very sparsely filled. Um, and the top tier of the south stand was only open to the media. So I I wouldn't think there would have been more than 5,000 there anyway. Okay, so uh, the second game of the day then was uh, St. Finbars v. Uh, Carberry Rangers. 15 points to 12. Uh, the Bars winning that one. Uh, the proverbial performance of uh, of two halves. Absolutely. Um, and if you were to kind of use one player as a, a touchstone for, for symbolising it, you'd, you'd say Stephen Sherlock, he had a first half to forget. He, he tried a good few shots and they didn't come off. And then in the second half... He just had his sights in and he finished with, with 10 points. Um, Ray Keane, the, the Bears manager, said afterwards that they would be giving him gentle encouragement sometimes to work on his conversion rate and his responses, if he doesn't shoot, he doesn't score. So it, it, he was proven right yesterday anyway, but uh, Cabby Rangers will be very, very disappointed with how it went. Um, Michal O'Sullivan Hawley, their manager, he, he said afterwards that it was just a collapse and that at halftime it was drummed into the players very forcefully that it was back at 0-0 and not to, not to take their lead for granted. But um, St. Finbar is just totally got on top of midfield and uh, they just ate into it point by point. And once they got in front, there wasn't really any sense that they were going to, to lose it. Uh, it. It's a funny thing, actually. It's the fourth time that the sides have played in the semi-final since 2010 and the Bears have won all four of them now. Bars, of course, contested the final last year. Uh, in terms of the 2018 model, are they an improved side? Do you think that they've they've learned some valuable lessons from last year's defeat? I think they have learned some valuable lessons. It's hard to know yet whether they're an improved side. They probably have the potential to be, but they haven't fired fully in this championship yet, which, as a manager, is probably a good way to go into a final. The one thing is they'll have three weeks to prepare now, whereas... The winners of the replay next week will have had an extra game and a two-week break, which might be a bit more optimal. But that's something that we look at afterwards. And, you know, whoever wins their break was the best break to have. Um, but the Bears, are, they're motoring nicely. They, you know, the, the, the first half was poor, but they stayed enough in touch that it didn't have to be um, an obstacle that they, they couldn't overcome. Uh, Sherlock can... Provide a, a lot of scores on his day. Killian Myers Murray only came on very late because he had been ill. So he's another guy who can shoulder the scoring burden. Michael Shields is 
a very savvy operator at, at centre forward. And Ian Maguire is, um, you know, he's he's a, as good as anyone uh, at midfield. Want to mention as well a very famous surname in goals for St. Finn Bars yesterday. Absolutely, John Curran's junior. Yeah, he came on in the quarter final. Um, against Douglas when Declan Murphy the, the regular goalkeeper had to go off injured and John kind of hadn't been he, he was involved with the team last year but more in a backroom role he, he wasn't part of the playing panel but he has um, he, he has talked out again and kept clean sheet against Douglas I think in a clean sheet yesterday so uh, yeah if you know if they do go all the way it'll it, it, and you're looking down the role of honour of Bears county title winning teams you'll have Jay Currens and Jay Currens um, the, bridging the, the, the gap between the, this team and the one back to 1985. Now we're going to turn our attention to Mayo Senior Football Championship semi-final action at the weekend. Uh, Mike Finnerty was a very busy man uh, with uh, extra time thrown in on Saturday night. Mike, before we get on to the weekend games, I want to talk about an interview with uh, James Horn uh, over the weekend. Uh, some interesting things to say about the mindset in Mayo as he prepares for his comeback. Yeah, that's right, Colm. He spoke uh, exclusively to Mayo GA TV on Saturday night, and I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more of James uh, on that particular channel uh, in the months ahead. I gather that uh, it's 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 a line he's looking to go down that uh, he'll communicate to, to the outside world and to the Mayo supporters via the, the Mayo GA platforms. And um, I'm not quite sure if it's going to rival Arsenal. TV or, or Chelsea TV but uh, it looks like the GEA is, is moving in that direction but on Saturday night uh, he certainly set his stall out in terms of uh, as he called it his mantra and the team's mantra uh, over the next four years and that is that he's not interested in talking about quests or adventures or odysseys as he said himself that's all a bit too mythical and romantic for his liking uh, he prefers to measure improvement in training sessions, uh, focus and concentrate on coaching, making players better, trying to improve them individually and and the collective group. And uh, he wrapped up by saying, uh, when when I asked him about uh, Mayo's prospects of winning Connacht Championships, making Super 8s, winning in All-Ireland, he said, we're really looking forward to the first round of the National League against Roscommon. So, I think James Horan is, uh, you're going to hear a lot more of James Horan bringing it right back to basics uh, over the next uh, few months and years. What is the feeling on the ground, Mike, in terms of James Horan's appointment for the second time? Is it a case of going back to the past or that he is a voice that has brought them so close in the past and who's to say that he won't bring them that that extra step in 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 this term? I think once once James Horn put his name into the into the arena for the job, I think uh, there was a huge groundswell of support for him um, among Mayo supporters and uh, across the executive committee of the Mayo County Board as well. He obviously turned the county's fortunes around when he came in at the start of 2011. Uh, four Connacht Championship titles, two All Ireland final appearances. Uh, uh, an All-Ireland semi-final against Kerry which went to a replay in 2014 so his track record very very impressive and he's always um, 
stayed very visible as well since since he stepped down as Mayo manager between his work as a pundit on TV, his his newspaper columns, his his radio work, and indeed his, his coaching and management as well. Uh, he's been working with Westport for the last uh, eight or nine months um, and, and managing their senior club team. So James had a very high profile. He had a very strong track record. And to all intents and purposes, he essentially built this team, this current squad, um, his fingerprints are, are all over it, and I think broadly, his return has been has been welcomed. Um, no, no point in, in saying otherwise. Uh, a few eyebrows raised, definitely at at the backroom team. Certainly wouldn't have predicted the the selectors and trainers he's brought in. But the more we find out about what he intends to do, the more sense it seems to make. Because uh, again, during that interview on Saturday night, he just um, explained in a little bit more detail about the fact that he is essentially going to be the head coach of the Mayo senior football team um, over the next three to four years, uh, as well as being the team manager. He's going to be a tracksuit manager. He, he, he made the point he has to go out and buy a pair of football boots this week because he's going to be spending a lot of time on the training field. And then he will have various different selectors, come trainers, come coaches, feeding in to the, uh, to the work they do on the training ground. And he also made the point that he intends to add one or two more to his backroom team over the coming months, but uh, made the point as well that he's in no particular hurry to do so. Very and quick. the fact he didn't rule out Kieran McDonald being one of those one or two would, would certainly lead uh, a lot of us to think that he has reached out to Kieran McDonald. Uh, Kieran is, is, I would imagine, mulling it over, and uh, if he decides to come in, that will certainly uh, that will certainly give us all something to write about and talk about uh, over the next uh, twelve months as well. Very quickly, what would James have taken from the weekend's club championship action? I don't think he'll have learned a whole lot that he didn't know already, if I'm being honest. Um, the county players, by and large, all stood out from, from the crowd. Um, some of the players that were in Stephen Rochford's development panel uh, during the course of the season, uh, in particular Matthew Ruan, uh, would have caught the eye. He's a young, brave midfielder that a lot of people would, would imagine uh, he will get some game time in the new year. Um, the Bravey Balladrine game was, was a much more old-fashioned, entertaining game of football. Bravey posted in, no shade, full forward, and let the ball into him. And uh, that obviously led to a lot of drama, a lot of goal-mouth excitement. The Castlebar Mitchell's Ballantubber game, a lot more tactical, a lot more defence-orientated, and it became a, a sort of a war of attrition and, and a very... Uh, strategic sort of a contest but compelling in its own way and obviously they have to they have to meet again next weekend one more game from the weekend that caught my eye Mike and that was uh, Cross Malina down to intermediate ranks uh, some drop from their All-Ireland club title what 17 years ago that's right yeah absolutely incredible to think that 17 years ago they were All-Ireland club champions 15 years ago played in an All-Ireland club final lost to Nemo Rangers and such a such a proud club with such a great history and such a great tradition to to have fallen on hard times like this. I mean, it's been a disastrous year for them. Um, I saw a stat floating around on WhatsApp groups over the weekend. They played 32 matches this season. That cross Malina senior team in all competitions, they drew two and lost 30. Um, they were relegated in Division One of the senior league down to Division Two. As you said, dropped down to Intermediate Championship at the weekend after losing to Davids. And it really is a shame. The, the, the last remaining link, actually, with the 2001 All-Ireland winning team 
from this weekend was Pather Gardner. Pather, he's uh, approaching 40 at a rate of knots. He continued to play with, with the Deal Rovers over the years, and, and I'm sure nobody will have been more heartbroken on Saturday evening than Pather Gardner, a guy who represented Mayo with such distinction, a guy who was exceptional high standards, uh, demands huge uh, standards of himself and of his, of his teammates. He will be absolutely distraught this week at the prospect of Crossmalina going to intermediate. But then on the flip side, David celebrate and the fact that it was the, the legend himself, Mickey Conroy, the former Mayo forward, who hasn't played a game of football all season. He's been really crippled with a, with a serious uh, Achilles injury. But somehow they managed to, to put him back together for, for one last roll of the dice, brought him off the bench on Saturday. He, and he hits the last two points of the game, including the winner that keeps Davids in senior football. And uh, the tweet he sent out on Saturday night, I think, uh, sums up Mickey Conroy when he just floated it that, uh, that, that he heard James Horn is planning to organise trials for the Mayo senior football team. So I think he issued a, a come and get me plea to James Horn looking for another shot. Now we're going to turn our attention to uh, action in Tipperary and in the Battle of the Towns in the Premier County, Nina Era Og ended the four-year reign of Thurless Sars. A little earlier this morning, Larry Ryan spoke to Tipperary and Nina legend Michael Cleary, who played on Nina's only other senior county championship winning side way back in 1995. So Michael, Nina back in the county final again. What was it like yesterday against Thurless? Um after the best possible start, I believe, at a coffee goal. Yeah, I think we had one three on the board after five minutes, four or five minutes. Um, I know just from talking to the lads, Turles have been uh, notable over the last five or six years by their fast starts. And I go back to the 2015 county final, I think they were 11 points up after 12 minutes. So um, I know Nina were very conscious of, number one, not letting Turles get a fast start. Um, but number two then, they were conscious, obviously, of getting the stack themselves, you know. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was great. It gave Nina a lot of heart, and obviously the supporters that were there. And um, I don't think Nina at any point ever lost. Just or we're 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 ahead right from the start yesterday, and um, yeah, they, they started to mean to go on. And apart from a little lull, maybe just maybe within the last seven or eight minutes, and then they finished very strong again. I'd say for. Like the game was 66 minutes yesterday. Then Nina, Nina would have been very happy with 60 minutes or 655, 60 minutes of her performance. Who were the Who were the outstanding players yesterday? Michael Heffernan scored well. The the lads around the tip panel, I suppose, were were were, were still the main men. Were there? Who who were the Who were the stars on the day? Jake Morris had a few points. Uh, yeah, I suppose Mikey was a standout player yesterday, as he has been for many years now. He's he's one of the standout players in Tipperary. Um, I'd say number two yesterday was Pierce Morris. Actually, Jake's brother. He was exceptionally good midfield. There was a lot of good performances. I'll name Daryl Quinn, Conor McCarthy, um, Conor Ryan, um, Tommy Heffernan, Killian uh, Leeson. Like Nina had a lot of good performances, and you know, for a club, it's like any team trying to make a breakthrough. Mm. A lot of players have to play well, where the champions or the established team can get away with a few less. But Nina been so close over the recent number of years; they need kind of double-digit numbers playing well, yeah. and they've got that for the last couple of Sundays. And in, as you say, like Turles, they've had that knack of even when they're not fully firing to be able to get over the line. And when they, I think they were ten points down again in the second half and pulled it back to pulled it back to three, I believe, towards the finish. Another another um, another Ronan Maher goal. Was there was there worry creeping into Nina? Could you see the the performance slipping a bit, or n- nerves were, were as as the line the finish line was kind of getting close? 
I don't think it was nerves. I don't think it was bottle or anything. I mean, 10 minutes into the second half, Nina were 10 points up. Mm. And the game, actually, I'd say you'd have heard a, a pin drop for that few minutes. And just my wife and a couple of friends were with me and they said, this is kind of over. And I said, no, the games like this don't peter out. Yeah. Um, number one, Turles are champions. And number two, there's too many good players just to lie down. And Nina were well aware of that and kept kept going. But Turles got their goal, which was inevitable. And then a couple of points, all of a sudden, there's a bit of momentum, they had the wind, and Shane Hennessy made a great save from, I'm fairly certain it was Rona Maher, that would have brought it to a point, I think, with about five minutes to go. Yeah, yeah. And, like, from the result, and actually, I think that ball went wide, actually, he saved it, and it eventually went wide, but I think from the result, and puck out, Nina got a point, and ended up tagging on three more. Now, I know Turles got a goal at the end, but it was effectively the last puck of the game. Um... Like, so Nina got a chance. Some teams, like Killer won, Killer won last week, uh, Torles got a goal the very last puck of the game. At least Nina got a chance to kind of steady the ship again and, and go again. I think it's, it's great credit due to them that they were able to respond. And I think they scored four points after Torles got that goal, you know. Sure. And, like, on Torles, like, they've been great champions for um, for Tip, going for the five in a row this year. What... Do you reckon I mean, they've, they've probably had a difficult route this year, a lot of games? What what caught up with them in the finish, or was it just Nina were too good? I don't think anything caught up. I think, in fairness to Turles, um, they've firstly they've been remarkable champions. I suppose I think they themselves would be disappointed if they didn't put a club championship. Um, yeah. Uh, that's I suppose that's something they're going to have to live with probably at this stage. I was thinking, I just I'm writing here and talking to Turles about Nina in 2015, and their forward line that day included Billy McCarthy, who was injured this year. Dennis Maher, who's gone to full back, Lara Corbett, who was, well, just in his pomp at the time, or just maybe come at the end of his pomp, mm. and Pat Burke, who would have been probably the best club, club holder in Tipperary at the time. So three of those four were actually not starting yesterday, and Pat was probably in the twilight of his career. So you were dealing with a team that basically was missing their four main prongs of their attack uh, from four years ago. So that may be doable in a county environment, but for a club that's a huge hit to take in three years for yeah. top-class players. So I, I don't think Turles lost anything in defeat yesterday. It's obvious all year they're not the powerhouse they have been for no other reason other than Father Time has caught up with some of them in some regard. And as I said, Billy McCarthy's injury has been a huge loss to Turles. And I just actually want to say at this stage that I wish him the very best. Look, I believe it's a very serious injury. I hope to God, because I think he's a great player, I hope to God Billy gets back to full health for his sake, Turles' sake, Tip, and Hurlan as large sake. But, uh, you know, Nina have... Uh, or sorry, Turles have looked to be shamed. I don't think anything has happened. It's just, look, everything has a natural cycle. And I think Turles have come to the end of their cycle. That's not to say they're gone anywhere, but they're certainly gone for this year, you know. But sure. uh, it's probably going to take a couple of years to put a team as formidable together again. Sure. And what was, what was the reaction around the town like last night, um, Michael? Is there a bit, uh, of, bit, of, bit of a buzz? Again, I'm here. We lost... 99, we lost 07, we lost 13, we lost 15. Yeah. Um, you're ready to, ready to add the second one after? Wait, sorry? You're ready to add the, add the second county title yeah, finally? Yeah, I tell you, look, I grew up, I was, Nina, look, Nina has, it was Ross Gray and Turles were the powerhouses of hurling when I was growing up and Kilowin and Ross, Kilowin, Ross Gray and Bursley here in the north and Nina were very much bridesmaids mm. and it was kind of, the team I was on, the, the, our, our team in the 90s, we, we kind of stepped up to the top table and pretty much since 1990, which is 28 years at this stage, Nina have been genuine contenders almost every single year in the last, that's almost 30 years. Yeah. And um, 
we, we, as I said, we've won six semi-finals at this stage now and only one final, or seven semi-finals now and only one final out of six finals. So, um, personally, I just got the feeling last night, uh, I got a couple of phone calls, are you coming out? And I said, no, I said, there's <laughs> enough semi-finals. And I just met yeah. a couple of lads this morning, it was the same thing, a couple of lads went out, yeah. and they just went home after a pint or two that... You know, for Nina now, it's all for naught unless we go on and win the county final, and we have a formidable job to do, but um, we've just had too much heartache, and we just, the fellas, uh, we've, we've celebrated enough semi-finals, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, while there's delight, and I'm here in the shop this morning, and everybody's delighted, um, everybody's fully aware that um, we've a battle That's on our hands. Far from in the bag, absolutely far from in the bag. Yeah, did you did you see the other, um, did you see the other semi um, I saw most of it, yeah, I wasn't in for the start of it, but I saw mm. most of it, and um, mm. Clenolty are, are a peculiar team insofar as, I just know this over the years, you go and look at Clenolty, and you never you never come away frightened or impressed, yeah. but yet they're an extremely, they're a typical country dogged team, with a right good splattering of good, strong, forceful, determined hurlers, uh, they don't look a whole pile, but we've always struggled to beat them. Um, and they were exactly that yesterday clinically efficient almost like a German soccer team they were clinically <laughs> efficient wasted very little ball didn't look anyway spectacular but yet got the job done and when Tumivara had a bit of a resurgence in midway through the second half again it was just like click into the system and you know they pulled away again for a finish so um, but that, that's penalty you know I, to the un. The only initial die, you might say, God, that there was no difference in the quality with the first and the second game. But by God, um, Nina has to, will have to be as good, if not better, to beat Penalty. Now, our reporters were out in force at county championship games throughout the country over the course of the weekend. Michael Moynihan was down in Waterford, where he spoke with Ballygunner manager Fergal Hartley. And Fergal paid tribute to injured Waterford star Porrick Mahoney, who played a key role in their Waterford Senior Hurling Championship final win over Abbeyside despite only being 70% fit. Boy Manny up to this morning might have played this game. This boy Manny was injured. He, uh, he, he initially was back. Right up to this morning, right up to when we were in Bricky Ranges warming up, we didn't know whether, know whether Boy Manny was going to play. And that's just a mark of the man that Boy Manny is. And again, you know, that wouldn't have been seen there because nothing was said about it. But for Boy Manny to go out and do what he did, you know, in a game that he probably shouldn't have played. To be honest, if this game wasn't on today, he wouldn't train for another two or three weeks. Uh, so he's a phenomenal character. And that's what, what Boy Manny's about. Here in Cork, it was a game of two halves between St Finbars and Carberry Rangers. Carberry Rangers manager Holly O'Sullivan couldn't explain his side's second-half collapse, while Bars Ray Keane admitted lifting the work rate was the only topic of discussion in their dressing room at half-time. They spoke to Owen Cormacan. We stayed for a complete collapse. Yeah. Yeah. St- stopped playing all over the pitch. You know, when the Bars came at us, we, you know, we saying that it was a spill, let's say, like most getting football games where offers will come again. Offers just didn't come again for some reason. Yeah, it's extremely disappointing. And uh, like, was it that they got on top in the, at the middle and he couldn't get ball in, or you know, did you need to just slow it down we a bit? Clean, or? We were cleaned up midfield in the second half. Yeah, or or midfield and or half hour, then completely out again. Yeah, and you know, the bars got on top. We didn't break the momentum and look. We didn't want to blame on ourselves. We didn't perform. We left it go. Now, like, we we can't legislate for the way we folded in the second half. To be honest. Is there any danger, Holly? <coughs> you think that? He actually looked so on top that maybe that seeped out to the players and they were thinking this is easier than it actually should have been. It was made very clear from at half time that it was Neil Lilligan basically because mm. we knew the Bears were a quality team and they were going to come. Yeah. So look, again, as I said, you know, mm. we'll think about it and see what else we could have done, but 
it's, it's hard to put your finger on what went wrong, to be honest. Was that something you had to talk about at halftime, just to work around? It was the only thing, really, to be honest with you, when you were, when you were after a performance like that, uh, after playing with a, a fairly strong wind, uh, it couldn't get any worse. So it was as simple as go at it. Go at it, because, you know, if you didn't and you lost, you'd be regretting it, so there was no point. Um, we had nothing to lose, just go at it, and thankfully... John Fogarty was in Tipperary where Nina Aero-Og finally brought an end to Thurla Sarsfield's reign as Tipperary champions. Though Nina manager John Fitzgerald still believes there is need to change the championship structure in the county. Well, listen, it's a very difficult difficult championship for club players. You know, like you start in April and you have to go out for a few games. You have to come out of your group. So you can't not train because if you're not out of your group, you can't be at the business end of the year. Then there's a huge lull throughout the summer period. Um, it's probably something that needs to be looked at because I don't think it benefited Tipperary either, if the truth be told. You had some players who were out there seven, eight weeks in a row. Um, can, you, can, can you sustain that? You probably can't. And, and no, no more than you can sustain April's performances the whole way through the championship. Um, but li- listen, we're there, we're there after winning a tough battle today and we're delighted to be there. Stephen Barry was in Limerick where Kilmallock manager John Bruder is looking ahead to a semi-final meeting with Napiersig. Yeah, listen, we're delighted to win. Um, just the main thing was to get over it and get into a semi-final against Napiersig. Okay, like, you know, we have the tough side of the draw, but listen, we're going to have to pay them at some stage throughout the year for the standard bearers in Limerick. But like, we relish a chance to take them down. Like, yeah. You would have looked for a response after maybe a sluggish outing the last day. Probably happy that you got it. Actually, last it was brutal. Like there's no two ways about it. And like the lads know that they're realistic. We've played very well at times throughout the year, but we've had real lulls as well. Uh, and, and last Sunday or two Sundays, three, so was it was another one completely like that. Like it just flat all over the field. Like we got the response today, which you'd expect us to be rude. Like in reality, like you know, uh, like the way they went about it, I'm delighted. I'd be more delighted if we do the same thing on Sunday. Like, yeah. And turning our attention to Clare, where Ballier and Cratlow booked their place in this month's senior hurling final. Clare FM's Derek Lynch rounds up the weekend action for us. In a game that produced more wides than scores, it was Cratlow who went to the well once more and came up with the answers to beat Kilmeady by 114 to 16 points. A swirling breeze in Cusick Park ensured both sides struggle with shooting, but the South East Clermen prevailed by the minimum to ensure they'll march behind the band for the first time since they were last crowned champions in their historic double year of 2014. Young star Rian Considine was the man who found the net once more, finishing off a well-worked move in the 39th minute en route to a personal tally of a goal and four. Cratlow boss Alan Neville was pleased to come through a tough test. We knew that coming here today that unless we bought um, a huge steal that we, we wouldn't get to the, to the final in two weeks' time. It was a strange kind of a game. We had actually two scoreboards going at one stage, one for the scores and one for the wides. And, and I won't mention which one was ahead for most yeah, of the game, but yeah. uh, is that frustrating as a manager or was it just kind of down to the day? Well, it depends who's given the wides. It can be very happy when you look at Kilmaley's wide count in the first half. I thought they had worked the ball through the lines extremely well into the wind. And um, look, at I thought the, the wides they had contributed. Obviously, we went in four points up and we were delighted to win four points up. But it was an unusual wind. It's going from corner to corner. It wasn't going straight down the field. It looked that way, I suppose, to the neutral. But it's not the easiest wind to shoot in. So for that point, I suppose, the players can be forgiven a bit. You've really kicked on, Alan, in, in this year from that Badier game. And it's ironic, I suppose, that they're waiting again for you now. But there's a real sense of momentum about this journey. Yeah, look at it. They, they'll say the same, I suppose. Both teams would have got a huge amount out of the game. OK, we came out on the loser side of it. But you get a huge amount of encouragement from a game like that. You learn an awful lot about yourself. And sometimes in defeat, you can even learn more. So look at They've kicked on. They're an incredible, incredible group of players. Like you know, to lose seven or eight players from an All Ireland club final two years ago, and to be able to do what they're doing now, 
I don't know if there's too many clubs in the county would be able to do that. From your own point of view, and obviously the lads are probably thinking about Milton from, from this evening onwards, but you'll still have obviously both eyes fixed in two weeks' time. Yeah, look, at I just spoke to the guys there now, and it's important to get the recovery session in tonight. And um, we'll sit down as a management team and we'll make a kind of a, a, a semi plan, I suppose, if you like, in, in relation to where we want to go. But we can't put anything into concrete, obviously, until we see what players are available after next Sunday evening. That's Cratlow manager Adam Neville there with its 2016 Munster Champions Ballier, who were the first team into this year's decider after they got the better of a dogged O'Callaghan's Mills challenge last evening. An incredible haul of 1 9 from play by Tony Kelly took the headlines as Kevin Sheehan's men marched into a second county final in the last three years. Niall DC was also in a scoring mood. He landed seven over the course of the hour as they registered a 121 to 117 win. After the game, Sheehan told us it was a match that they were always prepared for a battle in. I knew that they'd be good and tactically good. I knew they, they're, they're good off the goalie and, and he retains position very well for them. And then we knew we'd have to work hard and maybe take a, a couple of punches before we, we'd maybe squeeze into the game. But I, I think. Uh, Jack got a bit of space at centre back. Tony started to motor well at midfield. DC was an outlet at full forward, and then when we got the goal, then the lads around him started to get to grips with the, with that puck out. And once we got to grips with that, I, I felt at arm's length we were doing okay, but there was still danger there. Yeah, because they had that threat obviously of, of Cooney and Lucknell and these fellas. You couldn't yeah. switch off for too long. But when, no. when push came to shove on, on the line, you seemed to make the right switches at the right time as well. Yeah, look, at, I suppose sometimes sometimes you you fall into that, and, and we we're we're um, we're not regimental in, in the fact. Like if, if if Gary thinks that that the can possession be one at half forward or thinks he could do it shorn up the half back line or, or Ty can come out or, or, or Tony drifts in, we just we just trust the lads to to, to be working in the space they're in and, and look at they, they they do that quite well and, and they're they're intelligent lads and, and they don't get carried away and they don't lose the head and and we knew once we could we could get that scoreboard ticking out to maybe four points we do okay and, and I suppose a little bit of an experience with a goal chance there at the end and could have just taken that point and that would have got us to four points and that would have nearly taken the sting out of it but at three points it's a dangerous lead of course not any team in the country probably has the star quality of the men that you have that one nineties name today I mean that was just phenomenal return yeah and and, and look, at when Tony comes back, it's it's not it's not just the what you see here. Like like you, you go back to the to the, the winter time there, he still pops his head in, in the gap when we're training. And you know there was a clear cup game this year against uh, Smith O'Brien's, and we needed those points early before the county lads went away. And we knew the county lads were working hard and he was stiff, but he spoke at half time and then dug out the second half. And we won a, a tight enough game that we needed. So Tony, it's trained under 14s last year. Like Tony, Tony's an immense lad. But but you're right. Like it's it's you take it for granted at times when when it's 50-50 and next thing Tony hits two points out of nowhere or, or filters through and gets a goal or you know he talks well. You know he talks well to the lads around him, keeps control. So no, he's he's, he's one of the best you know those two sides will go head to head in Cusick Park in two weeks time and it's the second time they'll clash this season with Ballier prevailing after extra time when they met at the second round stage and that's it from this edition of Paper Talk the Irish Examiner's GA Championship podcast our thanks to all our guests for joining us on the programme this morning and also to Larry Ryan who was responsible for production of the podcast don't forget you can download us on iTunes on SoundCloud and on irishexaminer.com forward slash paper talk. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.